Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. Once again, we enter the dread depths of darkness to bring you our third series, Deep in the Dark Depths of Dread. You didn't memorize your lines, did you? I did too, and stuff. Wow. In this series, we have been asking the musical question, what movie or movies capture the spirit of the role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons? What movies, what movies? Hey, that makes it musical. (laughs) As close as we'll ever get. Yep. Mike and I have been gamers, well... Probably longer than is healthy, but eh. we sh- we show no sign of stopping, so there you go. I rolled a d20 and you lost. <laughs> I attack the darkness. I save against you. <laughs> <laughs> While D&D and the fantasy genre in general have become a greater part of mainstream popular culture, certainly greater than when we were kids. Yeah. Have any of the many, many fantasy-based movies captured the essence of the game, the sense of collaborative storytelling... The creative impulse that lies in all of us. In short, has any movie really given us the feeling of killing random creatures and taking their stuff? Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Wait. I am one of I am one of your hosts, Max, also known as the Elf Lord Carbuncle of the Town of Beans. Really? That's the best you can come up with? That's what I'm called. It's not my fault. Uh and I am loyal follower, Mike Luce. <laughs> <laughs> and today. Well, this is a big one. I can trip you. Literally, <laughs> literally, we are t- taking on the 2001 through 2003 trilogy of movies that adapted one of the most beloved and most influential of all fantasy novels, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, directed by Peter Jackson. Ah, he's a hack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're never going to hear much from him again. No. that Tol- Actually, that's kind of true. Um <laughs> Tolkien? No, Jackson. Oh, oh yeah, we'll never hear from him again. Yeah, yeah. The plot. The show. And quite honestly, if you don't know the plot to The Lord of the Rings, I don't believe you're listening to this show, but... <laughs> now, now, I point out just one thing really quickly before sure. we go into the plot. Sure, Um, This is our last episode Ooh, of yes. this, this series. So that is So we true. are deciding, or we will decide at the end, not only does this film meet those criteria that Max talked about, mm-hmm. but which of the eight films that we talked about is number one. Ooh. Because I know that all those directors are waiting with bated breath. It's like, oh, oh, which one will Max and Mike pick as being the most D&D-like? Yep, they've been camping out on the front steps of our houses. It's really embarrassing. Fabulous. Oh, not that kind of camping. (laughs) No. (laughs) So, Max, there's uh, there's some sort of story to this? Uh, Yeah, basically... Look, everyone knows it, but a little fellow named Frodo Baggins finds himself on an epic quest attempting to Hello. destroy the greatest source of all of evil in the world. Hello. Al- along the way, as <laughs> quiet, Raymond. <laughs> along the way, he must depend on the help of stalwart companions and his own inner strength as the evil weight he carries bears down upon him. That's, you know, there's a lot more to it, but that's the essential plot. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, wow. That I mean, it does, but okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, this. Uh, 
I'm going to put it out there right now. Yeah. It's not a very big film. It's oh, not a very no. well-known film. It's no, not a very long film. <laughs> I don't think Max and I are going to have much to talk about. Not really. So there's no. probably going to be a lot of padding in this next part, just so we you know fill our, our allotted time space. Because we've, we've got at least for this. We have at least two dance numbers scheduled. Uh, ooh, my shoes are in the shop. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> My feet are up on blocks. This is so unprofessional. (laughs) All right. So uh, is there any uh, trivia for these tiny little, you know, one pony productions? No, there is no trivia at all. There is not. There is not a speck of trivia about these movies. I think you're lying, Grandpa. There is so much trivia for these films. Oh, my God. You know, I I bet I have one piece that you did not find out. Acres and acres of. Okay, let's start with your one piece. What is it? You probably didn't know this, but I'm in it. <laughs> really? No. Go ahead. <laughs> I know there are so many people in it. Maybe you were and you didn't know. I know. It's like you know, Star Trek Next Generation or Love Boat. It's like, you know, I think I was. I this don't whole, remember. The whole series, if you watch all three movies, the extended versions, it's 11 hours and 16 minutes. Extended version. Now, to be fair, I do like the extended version. I do, I too. like the fact that unlike pretty much every other yeah. DVD, Blu-ray, um, Snob Flaz release. <laughs> Snob Flaz? It's coming, trust uh. me. Uh, the people who put this together said, yeah, we have deleted scenes. No, we're not going to put them in some sub menu we're putting them in the film if you want to see them where they belong here's where they go and i have so to we're say doing it the lord of the rings is just about the only movie where i liked the director's cut or whatever you want to call it the extended version better i think it's yeah. better yeah i like I, it's so good i like to see more of it i i think we're, we can go out on a limb and say that the reason that stuff was cut had more to do with the studio going no one's going to want to watch this for three hours than this is bad yeah, or this yeah. doesn't work no, you can tell because all unlike most deleted scenes from other films these were finished yes they so. all they all worked they all fit everyone's wearing the same costumes yeah. Well, you don't see things like, you know, Kirk's about to do a spacewalk and you realize that there actually is no Enterprise behind him. It's just scaffolding <laughs> and lights. Uh, just to pretend it's not there. Yep, yep. yep. So, it's uh, anyway, spe- trivia. Well, yep, trivia. Oh, boy. We're, you know, that's the thing. Every Most people know all this stuff. They know that, all, that eight of the nine members of the Fellowship, the actors actually got the elven rune for the number nine tattooed on themselves in various who, parts. Who didn't? Uh, actually, John Rhys-Davies didn't. Really? Yeah, he didn't want to. He didn't like. He was. He hates needles. Doesn't like tattoos. He sent his huh. stunt double instead. <laughs> John Reese Davies, okay. by the way, who plays Gimli the dwarf, it was the tallest member of the crew. <laughs> He's over six feet tall. John Reese Davies is a big, powerful man. <laughs> yes, and he likes a big cereal. He does. Christopher Lee, excuse me, Sir Christopher Lee. Mm. He was. He had. Uh, he, he was a Lord of the Rings nut. He read the Lord of the Rings once a year until his death in 2015 and he had done so since the year it was published and which part was he really hoping for he so wanted to play gandalf and he he apparently was really really pissed that he did not get it he is also the only member of the cast and crew to ever meet J.R.R. tolkien he met him at oxford you know there's a little bit of trivia about him he has three nipples That was Scaramanga, and that was a movie <laughs> character. <laughs> you might. <laughs> uh, Go ahead. In in the uh, in uh, the Fellowship, there's that wonderful scene where Gandalf goes into Bilbo's Hobbit hole and he bangs his head on a ceiling beam. 
That wasn't in the script. He actually Oops. banged his head, and they thought he did. It worked so well; they just kept it in. <laughs> Poor Sir <laughs> Which Ian. I, I'm, I'm sure Sir Ian appreciated that his concussion made good, uh, good film. Life went out all <laughs> over the world. Oh, yeah. When uh, the hobbits are off walking with Aragorn and Pippin's being hit by apples, you know, because uh, he's saying, "What about second breakfast?" Yeah. Well, Viggo Mortensen is actually the ones throwing the apples at his head, and they had to shoot the scene 16 times to get it just right. And apparently Billy Boyd believes that Viggo Mortensen was doing it on purpose because he was having so much fun throwing <laughs> apples at him. <laughs> well, now who wouldn't? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this could go on for days. There is so much stuff. Uh, Andy Circus, who despite uh, being kind of a jackass about voice acting. Uh, uh, well, not voice acting, motion capture. Motion capture, and anim Animators, me. animators. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, it's all him. The animators don't do anything. It's right. all him, everybody. <laughs> Andy Serkis does the whole thing himself. Nothing is added to by anybody else. That's uh, why he said jackass. He apparently, to uh, keep his throat lubricated, he drank many bottles of what he ended up calling Gollum juice. Okay. Which is much less disgusting than it sounds. It's just a mixture of honey, lemon, and ginger. Oh. Uh, he also modeled uh, some of Gollum's behavior on a withdrawing heroin addict. Okay. Yeah. And oh. how would he know? I have no uh, they, they apparently couldn't... They, they had a whole lot of men to play the Uruk-hai, and the Uruk-hai are supposed to be huge. They couldn't cast enough, recruit enough guys who were over six feet tall, so they started, you know, casting shorter men, and these guys were affectionately called the Uruk Low. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, had I known, and had it been 16, 17 years later, I could have shown up in my orc costume. Yeah. Yeah, actually, your orc costume would have fit in beautifully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, actually, I remember at the time when they were casting, they were saying, like, hey, um, are there any tall blonde guys here that we could hire? We need elves. And I was like, oh, I, and they had to be six feet again. I remember that. And I was like, I, let, let's just go to New Zealand. I, I, I can be an elf. Yep, I can wear a wig. Hey, Legolas wore one. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. I, I really, yeah. Leg Legolas or uh, Orlando Bloom, by the way, got that part two days before he graduated acting drama school. <laughs> and yeah. as a present, you get this. Yeah. <laughs> Also, apparently, uh, all of, almost all of the elves, with one notable exception, have blue eyes, and the shade of blue is supposed to suggest what uh, you know lightsaber they have. Yeah, pretty much. Whether they were <laughs> they're, they're uh, Jedi elves or Sith elves, <laughs> and uh, they. But the thing is, most of the time, Orlando Bloom, you can see his eyes are brown, and this is simply because they forgot. <laughs> I forgot armed robbery was illegal. Well, the other problem also was apparently he, they put in blue contact lenses and they would start scratching his corneas. Yeah. yeah. Some people just can't wear them. Uh, John, but John Reese davies again, Gimli, is also the voice of Treebeard. Whom hom. Yep. And people thought that it was an electronic distortion of his voice. It isn't. It's just his natural voice at the lowest pitch spoken through a wooden megaphone. If you have ever seen John Reese davies in, oh, I don't know, anything, it was like, no, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> Salah. Uh, <laughs> uh, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to... There's so much stuff. and ah, Just pick a few things. Yeah. And call, it, call it a day. <laughs> Alan a day. Uh, when Viggo Mortensen 
had never used a sword before, and the guy who trained him said he'd never seen anybody who was as naturally good with a sword. He I also I heard something about his horsemanship the way, same way. He was too, all, yeah, he was a terrific horseman. He actually um, purchased the horse that he rode at the end of the movie. He bought the horse that he rode during the film, and he bought the horse for Liv Tyler's riding double because she had just fallen in love with the horse and he wanted her to have it. Hmm. Neat. Yeah, he got really into it. Apparently in the middle of one fight scene, he actually chipped a tooth and he picked up the piece and told Peter Jackson, just super glue it back on and we'll finish. And Jackson said, are you out of your mind? And actually dragged him into his own car and drove him to a dentist to get his huh. tooth fixed. Yeah, I heard that Vigo was pretty hardcore all through the thing. Like, just really pushing himself in lots of different ways. There's that great scene in Return of the King, where, right before, during the Battle of Gondor, when the Rohirrim show up. And King oh, Theoden, and the Ewoks? Yes, the Ewoks show up. And, <laughs> uh, King Theoden rides along, whacking the spears of his soldiers to you know, get them all fired up. That wasn't in the script either. That was Bernard Hill, King Theoden. That was his idea. Oh. Hmm. Cool. Nice that Theoden did something interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, neat. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, you know what? No, that that's enough. Yeah, there, <laughs> there is a there, lot. There is I'm... so much. I mean, so much stuff. So much yeah. stuff. Yeah, but, you know, this show's probably going to end in about two minutes. Yeah. You know, what, well, what is can, there to talk what about? What is there to say? The Lowdown. So let's start it off, you know, as a movie itself. I, I it's think long. This, yeah. Let, well, what do you? What did you? What do you think of them as a trilogy? So this was a a really tough thing to do, right? Because this is a very beloved series. It had yeah. been adapted sort of uh, uh, twice before, uh, not necessarily all that well. Oh um, no, it was necessarily poorly. In fact, well, I think that quite honestly, Ralph Bakshi did a better job than Rankin Bass. Although well, that's kind of much. damning with fade praise, but yes, hey, he... there's there's no whip, there's a way in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But uh, no, that's true. Backshees is actually the main problem with it is it's so short comparatively, and he had to leave out an enormous amount. Right, and to be fair, you know, it's not that uh, Jackson didn't cut some stuff out, but this mm. is one of those books. It's if you love it, you have read it many, many times. Mm. I used to read it, up until this movie came out, I used to read it every fall. Because mm -hmm. that felt like the time you were supposed to read this. It feels, feels like a fall through winter to spring story. And you end up knowing it and loving it very well. Or you don't just don't like it and you never come back to it. And I've actually known a number of women who don't care for it. And for pretty good reasons, such as there's no memorable female characters that yep. last very long. Yeah, or... Yeah. There's one really good one, but she's still relegated to the to the bleachers, basically, mm -hmm. and that's um, Eowyn, yeah, who's awesome. And uh, Eowyn is you know, so very cool in the book and in the movie. Yeah, but she's still very minor. You know, it's still yeah. guys. It's it's a it's a white guy club. Yeah, there's um, there's no women in the fellowship. That pretty much but, sums it up. But when Jackson was like, "Yeah, I want to do this," and you can't do it in one movie because you can't. No. And I kind of want to shoot them all at once, so it's like all or nothing. And he managed to get a studio to go, "Sure, we'll pay." What was it? Three oh. quarters of a billion dollars Almost. for this or something? Yeah, it, it was. Close. And and he's like, "I got to get you know everybody has to be in on this. We can't. You can't wander off. You know, we're you're going to be with me for three years or whatever it took to shoot the damn thing." Never mind the, the post-production. 
And it was really a gamble because, you know, A, this has to be a blockbuster. This can't just be something that makes fans happy because yeah. there just aren't enough. So it has to appeal to the fans. It has to appeal to the major audience, which means you can't really screw too much with the source material, but you can't make it so arcane that the average Joe can't get into it. And they did it, man. I mean, on a total budget of all three movies, about $300 million, the thing made over a billion dollars, and that was just yeah. in the theaters. Right. Oh, no, this Never thing... Never mind had, the toys. Mm, the um, toys, the, and the DVDs, the many... I mean, the, what? How many sets of DVDs were there or Blu-rays? No, there must have been know. like there's 20. Probably, there's still another one coming out, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and on top of that, it did something I never thought would have been possible, was that it, as a genre film, not only a genre film, but a fantasy genre film, won Best Picture. Yeah, uh, finally, never the third thought, one. Never thought that would happen. Nope. Do I think it deserved it? Don't know. I don't remember eh. what else is up, but I was like, sure, because I remember being screwed over by, what was it, Julia in 1977 for Star Wars? No, no, so no, that was, that was Annie Hall. Was it any home? I still feel pissed because uh, uh, I was twelve, and you know that's yeah. the way it goes. <laughs> um, I it it was a it was a very tough thing to do, and in general, I think he did a very good job of editing. I think he did a very good job of adaptation. There's a couple of things that I don't care for. Yeah. Um, don't care for Liv Tyler's part being expanded the way it was and that whole thing tacked on and the trip down the literal trip down the river with Aragorn because mm. it's like why is this here? Yeah, I and don't I, I really don't care for what he, what he did to Faramir. Um, yeah. Faramir really got the short end of the stick there because Faramir was the only character that came across the ring that not only passed the test but proved that he was really worthy to be a commander in chief. Mm -hmm. And they, Jackson just decided, nope, nobody gets to be good. Everybody has to have that tinge in them. So I'm going to throw in this extra part where they get out to the Battle of Osgiliath and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, no, you're right. You should take the ring. It's like, why? <laughs> but, but I think we can all agree, as much as I like that part and understand why it's there, we can all agree that removing Tom Bombadil was a good idea. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Tom Bombadil's a great character. But even in the book, it grinds the story to a halt. And in a it movie, does, in a movie, it would have done it so much worse. I'm not even sure it would be that much so much as people would have just been going, uh, I don't get this. Yeah. Why is this here? Why and is this, this such a different apart, tone? It's great for the flavor. It's great for the background and the world. But it does nothing for the narrative. It does for me, and we, we talked about this recently. Um, spoiler, Max and I know each other outside the show. Hard to believe. Um, my feeling for Tom Bombadil is Tom Bombadil is r really only in the story. And for those who don't know the story, again, I don't know why you're listening to us. <laughs> um, Tom Bombadil is, a, is quite honestly a little goofy. Um, it's a, a lighter part of the film. He's, he's this sort of absent-minded, undefined, magical creature guy he's basically a god if you eh, just nah, if you look yeah. at some of the appendices and you look at the silmarillion he's probably one of if not the valar then whoever it was who came next and who are basically gods in tolkien's world but to me what he does is he represents the last vestige of that old world mm. it's not like we like we see some crumbling ruins here and there in fact they they come across some right after they leave him yeah um but it you, there's he's really it's like hey you know what the world used to be all magical and for i was sort of every day then and now i'm the last pocket 
Mm. And it's not a sad thing at all because when the whole thing's over, he's just like, hey, that, how did that thing work out? Did that, that go okay? Great. I'm going to continue with my, my wife here. We're collecting reeds. I've got some honey. I'm, I'm kind of busy. Could you? Whatever. Mm. And he's off being Tom Bombadil forever. And he's happy. And I get it. But like you pointed out, it does say, by the way, we are going to be lost for 50 pages, so come back in it. <laughs> yeah, as a, in, a, in the movie especially, I completely understand why, he, why they took it out. It, it wouldn't and re- his boots are yellow. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, which just seems odd. I, mean, I always thought he sounds like he, what is he, the Gordon's Fisherman? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I thought you just got those from the River Daughters. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much that, that could have been chopped and hacked and hurt and poked and prodded and spindled and mutilated. <laughs> and he really obviously loved the source material and mm-hmm. he did his best and he did a pretty damn good job. I think it's safe to say we're not going to have to worry about a reboot anytime soon. I don't think so. Yeah. I, my, I understand some people have problems with Return of the King and the multiple endings. And if you haven't read the book and did watch the movie, and yes, there are a lot of people... And I I knew several of them who their only exposure to Lord of the Rings is the movie. They never read the book. And they do complain about, what is this thing? All these fake out endings. And it's a point. They, it's like, oh, look, yay, everyone's kneeling to the hobbits at Minas Tirith. Oh, oh, that's that's not the end. Okay. Oh, look, they, they've they made it home. And, oh, oh that, that's that's not the end. Okay, they're, they're at the Grey Havens. That, that, that's not the end. <laughs> yeah, and... I see this is for me this is something I really enjoy because mostly in these films in this sort of genre this storytelling whatever you want to call it the hero story there and back again uh, (laughs) really what happens is we grind through the hero we grind through the hero the hero is triumphant they polish them up there's the end theme and john williams goes home right yeah we never get to see what the hell happens to these characters after they complete all this stuff. oh yeah that's why and i like I, that's what i like in the book i like the yeah. fact that we hear about frodo's life after he returns to the shire after yeah. evil is overthrown i'm just and, and i understand that but in the cinematically in the movie it is kind of annoying the way they do it Mm, I'm going to disagree. I would have been really upset if they hadn't strayed away from that part of the story. And the reason is, when you have these heroic tales and Sir Blondelot <laughs> defeats the evil dark forces of, you know, Gathisplord, um, whatever, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Generally what happens is he pushes the magic button or he slices off the magic arm or whatever and everything you know gets reset to normal or everybody's happy and everything's done and it's sort of these these annoyingly clean victories Mm. like the hero doesn't give anything up for it and i honestly think that heroic stories are better when there is some sort of sacrifice of one kind of another and the thing i like best about lord of the rings is the fact that frodo for being a part of this for achieving what he does for going all out he has to give up something too otherwise the victory ends up being kind of hollow and in his case it's like you can't be comfortable in the home you saved you're going to be haunted by this forever there's somewhere that can take care of you but it's not going to be here um yeah. and i do i do like that and actually that the last line of the books 
Well, I'm gets back. me every yeah gets me every goddamn time because mm-hmm. Sam loses out something too. Sam, who is never quite as touched by the whole thing as Frodo, his he's mm-hmm. a support role, but Sam loses something too. He loses his best friend, mm-hmm. and it's not to death, but it's he'll never see him again. Um, and he realizes at that moment when he says, "Well, I'm back," that. All that stuff I took part of, all of the kings, the princes, the elves, all that amazing stuff, that's gone, and I'm now just Sam Gamgee again. Right. And to me, that's it's sad, but it's like, otherwise it's just a fanfare and all the robots are shiny. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I can, I can, I can see that, except you also have to remember something. Uh, in the heroic tradition, yes, Frodo has uh, gives up and makes a terrible sacrifice. But in the Christian tradition, which was also a very major part of the book, because it was a major part of Tolkien, uh, he he get, don't 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 talk he, about the the allegory. He gets pissed when you do that. Yeah, well, that's all right. But Frodo is given the ultimate reward. He gets to go to heaven, which is let's face it, that's what the uh, the undying lands are. He gets to go I, to the, the land where the angels are going, where the elves traditionally only go. I thought it was just an island of Miklembas. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's basically the big rock candy mountain. That would be Hobbit's idea. But yeah, he goes to paradise. Well, I, I see the thing is, is I don't think it's paradise. Um, not for him. It is for the elves. But he's basically going to somebody else's. And they're like, you know, we can't make it. We can't make everything all better, but we can do this. Yeah. So to me, it was never like, this is going to be even better. It's like, this is what we have to offer. It's a nice soft cushion, and it's a good view. But if you're not an elf, it's not quite the same. But you'll be fine. As fine as you can be. Okay, that's a reasonable interpretation. I just, again, it's hard to separate the Christianity because for, from it because... I mean, hell, I wrote a whole paper about this, about the uh, fact that the Lord of the Rings blends both traditional heroic values and traditional Christian values. Oh, yeah, you blend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with two things that don't usually blend very well. But but regardless, yes, apart from the ending, I I was one of those people who didn't believe this could ever be made into a movie. I thought there's no way. Hmm? Yeah, not well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Yes. Many people would make bad ones and animated yeah. ones or what have you. And I was blown away. I still remember yeah. staggering out of the fellowship going, he did it. Yeah. He really did it. Yeah. And some of it is the casting. Let's face it. Oh, my God. Yep. Ian McKellen as Gandalf is, I, I still think he was robbed. He should have gotten best actor every year. He was pitch perfect. I really, it's one of those times where it's like you've cast an actor and it's like, I can, literally cannot see anybody else in that role. Yeah. Like Judy Garland and, and Dorothy. Yeah. It's like, who else could have been that? It could, you, know, really? you know who they, some of the people they asked first, one of them was Sean Connery. Shirley. Oh, <laughs> you meant for Dorothy. No, no. <laughs> ah, yes, I'm going to Oz. <laughs> no, no, Shirley Temple, they wanted her I'm to be your Gandalf. mother, but a flying monkey beat me up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they wanted Shirley Temple as Gandalf. Oh, oh, Frodo, I'm ever so cross with Sauron. Goshers! Come, that, come that on, Sauron, best. and let's do a tap dance together. That was the best Shirley Temple ever. Thank you. I thought uh, that was Sh- Sean Connery, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, not, um... They wanted, no. yeah, they offered the part to him, and he basically looked at the script and said, oh, this story is ridiculous. Uh, quite so, honestly, uh, Sean Connery, while he's certainly good at certain yeah. things... Kind of has all the warmth of a bedpan. Yeah, he would. Uh, can you just picture that? You know, a wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins. <laughs> Get back on your pony. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. yeah. So, but, and you know, I am sorry. A lot of all, unknowns. All due respect to Sir Christopher Lee, who is nope. a, who is awesome. Yes. Know, in addition to being a, a fun actor, he you know the guy was a spy. He was an he was in the OSS at one point. Someone in uh, one of the movies is saying, "Okay, now, uh, uh, Sir Christopher." I, I want you to imagine the sound a knife makes when it's stabbing into someone, and he just turns around and goes, "I know exactly what it sounds like." <laughs> like uh, it sounds like this. <laughs> but he would have been terrible as Gandalf. It's just it, he was great as Saruman. Yeah, he was. Oh um, God, with that voice. Yeah, that, I remember thinking that, thinking, "How are they going to do Saruman?" The big thing with him is how powerful and how great his voice is, and yeah. Christopher Lee. It's like holy crap, that's perfect. They also needed somebody who you could tell, I don't trust this guy. Yes. You also was like, but I respect him and I can see why people look up to him. It's like, I would be very much afraid not to believe everything he said. Yeah. Then maybe later on, I'd be like, what just happened? <laughs> and El I, I, Elijah I, Wood is so perfect as Frodo. He really is. Uh, he really is. And um I, I liked Sean Astin oh, as, yes, as Sam, yes. even if his accent wanders a little bit. A little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, he was so oh. earnest and so sincere in the role. Uh, Orlando Bloom, fine, because really, Legolas, not a part with a lot of depth There's, to it. <laughs> no, there isn't. But he, he looked he looked the part. He did all the action mm, properly. Yes, he did. He, yeah, Ooh, no, he was... And Viggo Mortensen, who I was yep. like, who? Yeah, exactly. And he, he manages, they manage to, because this is what happens a lot of times, is because Aragorn is not supposed to be handsome. Mm. He's supposed to look like a few yards of bad road. Yeah. He's like, they're, specifically, they were like, oh, you know, what, what is the line? It's like, oh, you'd think that I would look oh, more foul yes, and yeah, feel more yeah. fair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's like, he's not supposed to be handsome. Mm. And Viggo Mortensen isn't ugly, but he looks like somebody who's been, like, wandering around a lot. He is what they have, ruggedly, rugged good looks. You know? And he also isn't some giant, you know, steroid-induced monster. No. Um, so he's... He, I, the ranger should be, well, you know, rangy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he does. Um, poor Sean Bean. Oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, 5'11's your height, 180's your weight. You cash in your chips around page 88. <laughs> yeah, and it's... I don't know if this is the film that started that whole thing. Uh, I don't know. Um, but it's kind of like, oh, now, of course, you see him in anything. It's like, well, we know who's dying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he did Sean a great... Bean... But he was great as Boromir. He had that... Yeah. Great. Like, yes, here is a brave man. He's just got a, a serious fundamental flaw and that, that the ring can exploit. And he did it beautifully. And, you know, John Reese davies was great as Gimli. Yeah, to this day, I still am looking at this film going, how the hell did David Thewlis come off being tall? <laughs> because... When you see him in things like Van Helsing, it's like, wait, that's that guy? Yeah. That's not Faramir. No, <laughs> no. And it is. Um, I, there's really like no... The only person I have doubts about, not doubts about, but but slight misgivings, and it's really, and I hate to say this, it's just facially, mm -hmm. is Hugo Weaving. Oh. Hugo Weaving does not facially feel like a half-elf to me. Yeah. Um, that being said, he does fine acting wise he does fine but it's like to me the elves and, and pretty much everyone gets this wrong elves are not just people with blonde wigs and pointy ears mm. they should look somewhat different yeah. they should have a, a, a I don't know what it is but they should have some sort of an, thing a, that they should have an apart. alien quality they're supposed to be yeah. so beautiful at least Tolkien's elves are supposed to be so beautiful that they don't look quite human 
Which is why Orlando Bloom was fine. Yeah, yeah, Orlando <laughs> Bloom. And that is also and, why why uh, Liv Tyler, I remember yeah. when they had her, I was like, oh my God, they actually found an elf. That's the only way I could, oh, that's Liv Tyler. Yeah. And, and Kate she, Blanchett. She did, well, Kate Blanchett, basically, it's like, uh, I, I have this feeling that Kate Blanchett literally is the kind of actor who says, ah, yes, what do you want me to do? Okay, and then she just does it right then and there, and then she leaves. Yeah, yeah. she was <laughs> like, like I, her filming, she, I think, only took about a month out of the, however long the whole thing took. See, it's both a great part and one I would hate to have, because yeah. it's like, oh, I'm only here for three weeks? Oh. <laughs> well, well, can I get one of those I survived, I uh, mean, no, what was it, um... The battle. Oh, I, I, sur- I, no, no, no. The, oh, I survived Helm's Deep. Yeah, Helm's Deep. Yeah. They, they it's like, oh, well, how, how, do, how do I get one of those Helm's? Oh, uh, you have to be in the battle. Well, can I? No. <laughs> but if I, no, but I'm glad. No. Okay. <laughs> that... <laughs> Three weeks of pouring rain. Those poor, poor people. Oh God. <laughs> At Helm's Deep, dear gods, they get that just about perfect. That, right. That is one of the greatest epic battle scenes in any kind of fantasy setting I've ever seen. It's I think Partially it's better because they lose. <laughs> Yes, it's. I think it's even better than the Battle of Minas Tirith. Yeah, which gets kind of so over the top. Never mind, but when the scrubbing bubbles show up, <laughs> I'm sorry. When the dead show up, I, I think again, it's a really cool sh- scene, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah," and you're cheering, but yeah. it looks like a batch of scrubbing bubbles are just showing up to like wipe out the bad guys. <laughs> We're here to scrub out evil. Uh, <laughs> I kept, uh, well. I kept expecting the Nazgul to go. Oh no, Calganite! <laughs> That's right, Spotmaker. <laughs> um, and hey, kudos to to Jackson because mm. this is a meta sort of thing. But Jackson was like, "Yeah, I don't really want to use CG any more than I have to." So mm. we are not doing green screen except for things like the Balrog because I don't have anyone that tall. <laughs> um, I want to go to these places. And look, New Zealand, well, yeah, okay, I'm from New Zealand, but uh, <laughs> happens to have all of the stuff we need. We should film it here. Yeah. So when we're doing the Horse Lords, I want them to be out in the plains. I want them to look out. I want them to emote to those plains. When the Fellowship's going through the mountains, I want them in the mountains. Yep. I want. And when I'm going to have to film stuff like the castles and stuff, I don't want them to be CG. I want to actually build real models and have the cameras go around through them because I want the effect of what light hitting an actual material would look like. Um, and he's one, pretty much, that's pretty, you're done. They're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And all of the actors I read interviews with said the same thing. I am so glad he did this yeah. because that way I have something to act to. And of course, this leads to the infamous, you shall not bounce! <laughs> um, yeah. bit because, you know, Sir Ian was acting to, to a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. But oh that scene that scene oh my god I, I remember again thinking how are they going to do the scene in the minds of Moria how are they going to do Ugh. the Gandalf facing the Balrog and give it the emotional punch that it has in the book and they friggin did it yes and they it, did and I, I gotta say part I mean some of it is the set the way it looks is perfect the way the Balrog looks is great considering yep. how the the Balrog is very vaguely described. It's you know, shadow and flame. It's got a whip. It has shadows that might be wings, but yes. are only said like they're like wings. And the way they did it was gorgeous. Yep. And that whole. Th- but Ian McKellen is the icing on the cake. The way he stand that you can hear the anger and the fear in his voice. And that you shall not pass. There's a reason everyone quotes that. There's a reason that's made a thousand memes. It is 
it it's spine tingling. It's just chilling. Yeah. You you get goosebumps when he yells that. And for those of you who wouldn't necessarily understand, you know, our younger listeners, <laughs> um, this is the book. The the books. Like when you're a D and D geek in the late seventies, early eighties. This is it. Yeah. Like, you may read other stuff. You know, I've, I've talked a lot about Fafford and the Grey Mouser, which is good fun. Fun. I haven't read Conan, although that's obviously a thing. Um, Thieves' World, uh, lots of other stuff like that. I mean, those are all part of it, but it's this. When it all comes down to it, we all hope we have a game that feels like this. That's that. <laughs> yeah, that one scene. Not necessarily the whole book. I want to talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that although sequence, I have to say, that whole thing hey, in the Mines of Moria, that is the dungeon. That is yeah. the dungeon, and I don't care if it's a Balrog, that's the dragon. But, I gotta say, mm -hmm. hey dwarves, would it kill you to put in a handrail here and there? <laughs> Seriously! <laughs> have, you it's guys like have ever dangerous. heard of OSHA? <laughs> yeah, because that's like the most dangerous dungeon ever. Oh my There's God. no walls, and the stairways are all 50 stories high. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, they'll hold, they're Incredibly fine. Incredibly <laughs> steep, I mean... Are, do dwarves have like suckers on their feet that we don't know I, about that they can they do they all fly when they're underground? No. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, of course, what made this film so astounding is what also allowed us to be so vastly disappointed when The Hobbit came out. Oh dear. Yeah. If, let's, we're not. Let's not talk too much about that train wreck. Ugh. And, you know, it's, it, there's a, one thing I will say is that there is a fan version of The Hobbit out there which basically edited out all the parts that weren't in the book. Mm. Doesn't help. <laughs> it's just awful. And I don't know why, because Jackson proved that he could adapt this and make it something great. And then we have bird poop and fart jokes and... Ugh. Ugh. Yes, and we have, you know, dwarves ride, riding pigs... Or the hurting, sheep or the whatever hiding. the hell they're riding. <laughs> I cares. Who cares? Uh, badness, badness, badness. And again, badness. it should have... I don't see why. You still had Ian McKellen as Gandalf. You had Martin Freeman, who was a terrific Bilbo. Yes, he was. And yeah, Although, the uh, problem... Yeah, uh, and a lot yeah, of the problem was the dwarves. That, never mind. Never mind. That's a whole other thing. Maybe we'll do a show on that at some point, but... Mm, boy, we'd have to be pretty drunk to do we that. Would, Ooh. That's I don't, no, 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 no. I don't anyway. see the problem, but okay. Responsibility. I, the FCC frowns on that. Oh, that's right. We're not. Uh, we're not bound by the FCC. No, we oh. are not. No, but I'd like to. Be. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have yeah. no idea what that means. Neither do All I. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, again, that that sequence is amazing. The sequence with Galadriel, which again I remember in the book thinking, and when when the movie came out, there's there's no way you can't get the gravitas. You can't get the the dramatic tension or it'll sound, sound ridiculous and it yeah. didn't it it's brilliant that whole scene that whole s speech she gives about in the place of a dark lord you would have a queen not dark but beautiful and terrible as the dawn that she does it word for word out of the book and i thought it would sound ridiculous and yet i'm sitting there gripping the seat the 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 seat handles like oh my god why? Because you could also tell that the the characters were like, uh, yeah, okay, uh, sure, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't have to take this to the, yeah, here you go. Yeah, here. Partially because it's like, ah, whatever you want, and partially because, well, you still seem better. Yeah, but but still, she was she was scary. She wasn't yeah. just beautiful; she was terrifying. 
Yeah. And I, that was amazing. And she still has that whole, I'm sorry, Galadriel is one of those annoyingly smug characters, like most of the elves. And again, you understand the elves are angels. They aren't, they aren't people. They're, they're supernatural practically. They live, they live forever. They've got magic powers. I know something you don't know. Exactly. Every elf <laughs> in the movie has that look. <laughs> yeah. And that's, again, that is appropriate because that's how they come across in the books, too. Well, the nice part is that Legolas at never at any point turns to the rest of them and says, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be alive long after you're all dead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, humans, uh, I think I had lunch with one once. Yeah, guys, I got <laughs> socks older than you. Oh, and uh, spoiler, if uh, you're really not into potentially unhappy endings, don't read the appendices. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Aragorn doesn't last real long. Yeah. Uh, well, but, yeah, but he's already, what, 90 years old in the book? Well, he's, well, they say the blood of Numenor, mm. which I think we're supposed to think is probably some elvish blood mixed in that's yeah. been diluted over the years, um, which is also fine. You know, that, that works out yeah. well. Um, but it's it's it, the, the really sad part is that you're left knowing... Wow, all the really cool stuff is leaving. Yeah. Yep. All <laughs> the, the elves magic. are all going like, we're done. See you guys. We're, we're, we're hitting on the boats. We're, yeah. we're going to go jet skiing and we're not coming back. The ants the the... are going to disappear. Oh, yeah. that was, sorry, talking of other things they did. Well, they did the ants so beautifully. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, whole se- the siege of Orthanc is such a great sequence. How'd you like it if somebody could pull an apple off of you? <laughs> she, she was hungry. <laughs> Um, yes, 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 yes. Uh, but it, you do definitely get the idea yeah. that basically to save our lives, we're going to lose all the cool yeah, stuff. That's, that's your choice. They say as so. the age of man is is coming, that means the age of wonder is disappearing. And that, that is, and, there is a very sad undertone to the books and to the movie because they recognize that. They say, yes, you know, something new is being born, but this means old and wonderful things are disappearing. And look what we've done with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it is this really is if somehow you haven't read the books and you you're a D&D aficionado or player, put the game down. Yeah. Put your dungeon master screen back in your your trapper keeper. Um, <laughs> bag your dice and go read the goddamn books mm. because this is really even though Gygax claims yeah. that Lord of the Rings was not a direct influence, uh, I'm <laughs> well, gonna have to go back on um, what is it? I think it's uh, Smith versus Jones, uh, the liar, liar, pants on fire defense. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, pretty much, Lord of the Rings and D and D are inextricable. They are. You, you really. Although, in some ways, <clears throat> and we'll talk, I'd like to talk about this when we get to that part. Uh, I, they aren't. There, Lord uh, of the Rings is definitely an influence. I would argue it is not the, it's a, 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 a not one of the primaries. Oh, we're gonna have a big argument on that. Oh yeah, okay. Because <laughs> there's two whole races you're gonna have to remove if you're gonna take up oh, that. No, yeah, no, no, not in terms of details or spe- or specifics, but in terms of flavor and in terms of. I mean, do you want to get to that now? I, uh, I think we're going to spend a while on this, and we, we could sit there and and with slather this movie with praise yeah. and talk about our favorite parts and and stuff forever. But this is really, and we do have to wrap up the series too. Yeah, true. So why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead? Okay. I know it's a little early, but let's let's yeah. talk about it. The roundup. So does this film convey what it's like? And remember, this of course was not the film's goal. Yeah. But this is our series, so we can tell it what we want to. Does this film give 
a watcher what a feeling of what it's like to play D&D. Go ahead, Max. In terms of the events, yes. In terms of the underlying mindset and morality, I would argue no. In what way, no? Okay. In some aspects. Look, the absolutely the original... Gygax and Arneson, they stole a lot of stuff from Tolkien. <laughs> there is no nice way to say it. I mean, my God, in the 1974 printing, you actually had the elves, dwarves, hobbits, goblins, orcs, Nazgul, they actually call them Nazgul in the book, Balrogs and Ents. It's just lifted. Mm-hmm. Now, Tolkien didn't make up orcs. That's actually a much older term. But but it was a term. It was a term, it's... and I gar- I am almost certain. I know I, I never met the guys, but I would bet Gygax and Arneson were not big on 6th century Latin texts, and so would not have seen it if it weren't for Tolkien. Hell, hey, a in... little side note on Dave Arneson that I totally forgot to bring up a couple of weeks ago. Huh? He was in the D&D movie. <laughs> what? He had a little bit part. Oh my God. Sadly edited out, went to the cutting room floor, oh. but he was there on set to be in a movie about oh. the game, which he partially wrote. But oh, go geez. on. So. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I say, 74 had all that. In 1977, they actually released a game called Battle of the Five Armies. Oops. Yeah, that finally. Because you got to remember, this was before the, the widespread use of the internet, so... D&D was pretty niche. Not a lot of people knew about it. The Tolkien estate didn't know they were doing this until that came out. Well, it was published in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> which you and I have been to. We have indeed. And uh, they sent a cease and desist order, and they also took a little closer look at the game and like, um, excuse us. And so after the 1977 printings, uh, Balrogs disappeared. They were later showed up as Balors. Yeah. They removed uh, hobbits, Nazgul, and Ents, and turned them into halflings, wraiths, and treants. Yep. So, this, yes. This, however, would not be the last time that D&D, um, shall we say, appropriated things without asking. No. they were looking at you, deities and demigods. Oh, God, yeah, where they used the Cthulhu mythos without permission from Lovecraft to state. They used Michael Moorcock's Elric stuff without checking with his people, or actually with him. I think he was yeah, still kind alive. Of all. Yeah, kind <laughs> yeah, Oh, he was very still alive. Oh, yeah. And they were, none of these people were happy, and in later editions had those things expunged. Yeah, I have the first edition, Mm. which means I'm special. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, well, absolutely, on the surface, the surface trappings, the cloaked adventurers, the magic rings, the magic swords, the different monsters and such, absolutely, that is pure D&D. That is a major influence. But would you consider the members of the Fellowship murder hobos? Well, for the most of the, the movie and the books, they ain't got nowhere to live. They actually come and couch what? surf, right? <laughs> come and couch surf. <laughs> they they've do. All le- they... They've all left their homes. They all, except for Aragorn, all of them have homes that they've left. Now, if there's somebody who plays the ultimate murder hobo, that's him right there. Yeah. Because he never has a home until he's crowned king, otherwise known as he's reached, what is it, 15th level fighter gets their own hold and followers, something like that? I thought it was tw- lower than that, but yeah. Maybe 12th, yeah, whatever. Um and I think I, there was actually an article once which rated the characters, and they were not nearly as high level as you thought. I think they said that that Aragorn was something like an eighth level ranger or something like that, because his abilities really aren't that high. 
Um, now, there was yeah. a famous article in the Dragon Magazine called Gandalf was a fifth level wizard. There we go. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> but so would I would I say that hmm. they are? Yeah. Um, yes and no. The problem is that we've got certain characters that are obviously there for the audience to identify with. Mm-hmm. And there are characters that are there that the audience are supposed to think of as their buddies. Okay. Gimli and Legolas are meant to be their buddies. I don't think any, there's just not enough of them there and yeah. not enough background, not enough meat for us to go, well, I identify with Legolas, except, you know, some, you know, I think he's pretty or whatever, you know, or I think I'm grumpy like a dwarf or whatever. You're really supposed to identify with Frodo and Sam. And possibly you, Merry and Pippin. And possibly Merry and Pippin. Basically the hobbits, the little people, the normal people, right. the, the non-spec, right. the, these guys have no special skills. They have no magic powers. Most of them, for most of the movie, don't, and actually in the movie, uh, nobody talks about the fact that Merry and Pippin both carry, in effect, magic swords. Yeah. But... Well, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, they light up, yeah. but, you know. No, no, the swords were like the swords of Numenor. They, that's one of the reasons... And again, this, they couldn't bring this in because they would have had to bring the whole storyline in. When um, Merry stabs the uh, Wraith King... Oh, right, 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 right. One of the reasons, it's not just because he's not a man, it's because the sword was designed to kill Wraiths. Yeah. Or at least to hurt them. Yeah. Um, the, it's Well, for one thing, it's more of a hero's journey than it is D&D, right? Okay. I mean, it, yeah, who's the hero? It, well, it's Frodo. They're really? back again. In the, yeah. tradition, in the hero's journey... I know. I know. It's Aragorn. Because, right? like but you said, that, the hero's journey ends with the hero coming home in triumph and living, you know, being rewarded in this world. Frodo doesn't get that. Frodo? No, he doesn't. No. But he's the, he's the one that we identify with. We don't tend to because Aragorn's definitely again our buddy, right? He's but not his is not the hero's journey. Frodo doesn't go on the hero's journey. The hero's journey. If you if you're talking Joseph Campbell, Fro- I don't care about Joseph. Fro- Campbell. Frodo basically <laughs> spits in his face because the the hero in the hero's journey, they're always there's always something special about them, either their parentage or their abilities. They go off to prove themselves. They go off to conquer to or for vengeance, and they come home to great material benefit. Frodo doesn't do any of that. Frodo does go is a perfectly ordinary, you know, slightly you know, above average intelligence, perky chap with a bright eye, and uh, well, that's it. That's not it though, because Frodo has that inner strength, that that presence, that that purity of will that allows him above all people to carry that damned ring as far as he goes. Yes, at the very end even he fails. Oops! Did I give that away? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of spoilers. Um, But so does Sam. He doesn't carry it as long, but he can carry the ring and not be corrupted. But the thing is, is that we can see that Sam carries it for like five minutes. Could he have made it anywhere near as far as they did? No. And even though it's not as obvious in the movie as it is in the book, even though the entire Council of Elrond is sitting there thinking, please, Frodo, put your hand up, Frodo, put your <laughs> hand up. Frodo, in the end, does pipe up and say, well, I'll do it. You know, he chooses. He does have that strength. Oh, he does have the choice. Tr- he's a good person. So, 
but he's not but that, that, a spectator. That inner strength is something that is pretty pretty lacking in Hobbit. It's like, oh, I'm not going to eat that. Pie. Yeah, I'm going to eat the pie. Oh, come I'm on. Just because, because they have some impulse control issues where it comes to food. You... We like to eat until we choke. Um, <laughs> How many did so, you have? Four. <laughs> Me too. Um, but they, they served beer in teeny weeny little glasses. <laughs> How many teeny weeny glasses did you have? 72. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, the, the idea there is that Frodo is an ordinary person in that Tolkien, I think, is saying everyone has that strength within them. He is the one who can, he, he needs it, so he reaches for it. Even Sam, say, when the ring is tempting him in the book and say, making him like a leader of men and turning the world into a garden, and he realizes what saved him? Plain hobbit sense. Which is something yeah. that they all have. If you'd given that ring to a Saxville Baggins, mm, well, they would, I'm going to say... Well, mm, they wouldn't have taken it. They would have hocked it about five, after about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wouldn't or, have taken it. Or Mr. Proudfeet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Farmer Maggot. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Frodo is, is, is a better than average person, but he's not magical. He's not a superhuman. He's not a demigod. He does, you know, there's nothing in, in his background. There's nothing... Uh, larger than life about him he is a good ordinary person that's his strength that's not a hero not in the the old traditions not in the way that aragorn is a hero hell aragorn has the bloodline you know son of arathor and the son of arrow roots son of arrow shirt i don't know but... <laughs> yeah but they also are very plain at least in the books that aragorn could not have taken the ring no, he would have been probably even more tempted. Now, well, not more tempted than Boromir, but he would he would have probably been on the on the gauge between Boromir and Faramir in the books, which is like, ah, that right. Nope, I don't want it. And gimme, 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 gimme. <laughs> so, I, I'm gonna say that while it's not a big obvious bloodline prophecy kind of thing, it's still something that counts that sets Frodo apart from his other mm -hmm. fellow hobbits. Um, certainly Merry and Pippin are not people I could see yeah. marching into Mordor and it's just like uh, what did you, where's the ring? It's like I thought you had it no I thought you had but it. But I oh, could absolutely you see it. them marching into Mordor. They'd get lost or they'd get caught in five oh, minutes. They'd march in alright. They wouldn't have the ring. Yeah because they <laughs> they're just not as smart. Frodo is, right. Frodo is smart but that's again that's not superhuman. That's not heroic. But it, he's uh, smarter but that's not what and makes he's a, a good hero. person. He's if not, you've got he's if not you've an got epic hero power, if you've got the power, if you've got the wherewithal, if you've got the magic sword, that's great. But if you don't have that and you still mm. rise to the challenge, that to me says you do have something. And I'm going to argue that Frodo... Mm. I'm not saying it has to fit any of Campbell's little theories or whatever. I'm just saying that this is a hero's story. Mm. It is not a D&D &D story. See, in that yeah. we are following somebody who rises above himself to do something heroic. Now, the ending may not be the traditional one, but he still does that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And that's not necessarily how D&D &D games go. Because, again... See, that's where you actually, we actually agree. I don't think this, this is a D&D &D story. Not no. just because it's a hero's journey, but there's another thing. The morality... The sheer mor the morality in Tolkien, there is good and there is evil. And that's yep. pretty much evil. Evil. <laughs> you know, there is black and there is white. It's a very Manichaean universe where, you know, there's no, yeah. there's, it, he, one of the things he does really well is he shows, yeah, there's good and there's evil. And it's really hard to be good. It's hard to do the right thing. But you have to. 
there and are in D D. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> in D and D, that don't. doesn't happen. You don't have characters who. Are, let's face it, D and D is not really about. We are going to go and make the world a better place. Well, it can it, be. That can but... be an, a, an element. You have you can have characters who say, you know, we have an opportunity to do something remarkable. But that's not the whole game. Most of it no. is much more based. And this this is I, I've found a couple of articles that agree on this. And they've said this. You've pointed this out too, that some of the major influences are things like Robert E. Howard's Conan and Fritz Thief. Lieber's Fafford the uh, and the Gray Mouser. Thieves. <laughs> yep. Thieves and warriors. And yeah. then there's El Sprague de Camp. I, I was, these are actually people that they cited with his Howard Shea, the complete enchanter, and especially Jack Vance and the dying earth, earth cycle. There's even a kind of magic in his books. And Vance was from like the 40s, 50s, and 60s called Vance. They called it Vancean magic. And it's the idea that you have to memorize spells at the beginning of a day, which went oh, right gee. into D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say. No, I will say that if you're looking for a movie to give you a feeling of what it's like to play D&D, even though mm -hmm. this is a major influence on oh, the yeah. game and the settings itself, yep. this isn't going to do it. No. Partially because you're focusing, even though this is more of a group effort than some films, it's still pretty plain who the main character, who the one you're supposed to be following is. Yeah. Not just because there are giant chunks of the film where <laughs> he and his manservant are alone. Um, oh, and, and that other thing, the, the frog in the background. Um, but, you know, we just don't know as much. Aragorn has a very rich, detailed history that's pretty much relegated to the appendices. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Yeah, let's face it. Not Frodo is the main, is the PC, yeah. and the rest are all NPCs. Pretty. Yeah. You could. I, I would argue that Sam is a player. True. Character. Sam, maybe, and even I think Gandalf to a certain degree. Even, even to the point he does. Somebody pointed out once he does a really dick player move, where he fights the Balrog. It's like, okay, you guys all run. I'm gonna fight the boss monster and get all the EP myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, you go ahead. You, I'll be I'll be fine without yeah. you. I'll be all right. I am martyr. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm see you later, later martyr. martyr. <laughs> the, the, um, the good characters in Tolkien they tend to be selfless. They tend to be yeah. almost again or that, a little dim. Yeah, a little dim, but <laughs> which is more dandy. But they're not murder hobos because no. let's face it, the characters. Yes, absolutely. There are times. Yes, we are going to go fight the great evil. Yep. But more often than not, it's because the great evil has all the money. <laughs> the great evil, because nobody, you, how many times in a D&D game do you hear, all right, you must go and defeat the great evil lord, warlord, Spulp. Um, oh, I okay. hated Spulp. <laughs> okay, and Spulp is also sitting on the greatest treasure in the eastern lands. Oh, we I'll must go, destroy I'll go. Me, me, me. <laughs> Death to Spulp. <laughs> it's yeah that again you know, that's way more conan or faffer those guys made a live their whole thing was to make a living by their swords and they would you know conan in most of his stories yes he gets the girl he gets the money by the next story he's drunk away all the money the girls left him and he's got to go out again 
Yeah, and you know that's yeah. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a D and D game right now, mm-hmm. an actual D and D advanced D and D game, fifth edition. And yep. in some ways, a lot has changed. Oh. The system itself has has become very different. It can be a little bit more streamlined. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, but quite honestly, the gameplay is exactly the same as it was thirty some odd years ago. <laughs> and oh. you know, the little plot we're doing right now, we were we were going to rescue these um, this this nice innkeeper and his wife who got abducted by kobolds um yeah sure we're playing the really um good guy you know (laughs) salt of the earth types um did we not exult and you know using our spells and stuff to take down these kobolds and steal their stuff yes yes we did um so dnd was always shades of gray Mm. um sometimes grayer than others and if you want to get the idea of what it's like to be part of that group that that is out making a name for the group and doing this thing for the group there are elements that are about as what's the word i want as core as pure Mm -hmm. as they possibly could be in D D. but the overall effect not really yeah yeah again i i agree if you're going to play with what you said earlier if you're going to play D&D, you have to read the books. Not just see yes. the movie, you have to read the books. Yeah. Everything to do with elvish culture comes from here. Yeah. I don't care if you're A lot you're of stuff playing. about dwarves, too. It's so it's so rich and so useful to understand the characters. But it's like anybody since then hasn't even bothered to try and come up with anything else. It's like, okay, so given elves and dwarves, yeah. we're now going to move on. It's like, it's not, they're not, you know, I don't want anybody to come around Stephanie Myers and make up their <laughs> own versions of them to be like, well, they sparkle or something like that. Yeah. It's just one of those things like he got it so right that there's no point in this redesigning them. Mm. Now, orcs, that's a different story. Mm. So the orcs in this and the orcs in Warcraft are very different. And the orc fans really aren't looking at Tolkien. They're looking at Warcraft. Because and I, the I, orcs aren't people. They're basically no. weapons that can walk in the books. And to be fair, if I remember correctly, orcs were originally made. Yeah, they were. They weren't tormented. They were elves that were tormented and, and misshapen by Morgoth. Right, as a, so, as a mockery, the way that trolls were made as a mockery of the Ents. Right, so it wasn't they were they weren't even like, well, we got the shredded and the stink, so we're just going to be nasty and evil. It's just like, no, we were made yeah. this way, we were literally put, made this way. They were drawn this way. Yep, they were created um, with the hatred of men in their hearts. So we're we're on agreement. Yeah. We had a little uh, discussion there, yeah. but we're on agreement yep. on this film, but. We have to decide now mm. who's our winner yeah. of the films. And I'm not saying that there aren't other ones that we've missed somehow. And if you want to comment, Max gave you ways that you could do that. Yep. Um, if there are other films that you can think of, dear listeners, mm. who you think would make or which would make better examples of playing D&D, by all means, comment to us or you can uh, send us a comment on our, our website or on Facebook or whatever. But of the yeah. eight that we watched and said, hey, which is going to make somebody feel like they've been playing d and I think we're going to have to go to Conan. I think that's right. I think Conan... Conan, yeah. Conan has so many elements. It's it's a low-level game, yeah. which is great. Conan is not a great thief. He's not even... Not, I mean, he's a good fighter. He's a good he's fighter. probably fourth or fifth level fighter, yeah. maybe. Fighter thief. Fighter thief. He's, he's, yep. he's dual class. Yep. Um, he doesn't have any, like great altruistic purpose in mind it's like no, you, oh you killed my girlfriend i kill you now you kill my father i kill you, <laughs> you know, that's it that's as far as it goes yeah. and that's fine and half of the movie he doesn't even need that it's like later he's like oh oh yeah i forgot someone killed my father oh you're the snake guy i kill him <laughs> so you know 
you know, and they, like you said, it's like they get to town, they they spend their their loot, they they have their ale and and their fun, and then they have to leave again because they spent it all. <laughs> yep. Or, and it's it's about so far as we've seen as pure a a D and D type experience as you get. Yeah. Um, still focuses on one character, but there's a little bit more group aesthetic there. Um, do you remember what number two was? I think we said Willow. No. No. What Dragon Slayer? No. Which? Krull. Oh yes, that is true. Krull, despite being a much worse movie than either of the ones we just <laughs> mentioned, as it is not a good movie, it is a good campaign. Yeah, it's got more fantasy game fairy tale elements in it than any of the other films. And while it is not as much it's not nearly as much a group aesthetic, mm. it still has all the major tropes. It has the the encounters. Yep. That's a word I think we didn't use, but the encounters that you would expect from that kind of thing. I mean, it's no Vault of Horrors, it's no White Plume Mountain, it's no Barrier Peaks, but uh, maybe yeah. it's Keep on the Borderlands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, so there's three films. I'll put I'll put Lord of the Rings in third position just because it's better than all of the other films Com- we watch combined. combined. Yes, I agree with that. But so number one, Conan. Number two, Crawl. Number three, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Not for quality, no, but for experience of playing D and D, which means. Mm-hmm. Our series is over. This series is over, and we will be starting a new one. But Does that mean our show's over? Are we done? Yes, it is time for us to go to the Undying Lands. Wisconsin. Uh, uh, hey, uh, you can have my ticket. Boat's leaving in, oh, uh, three, four seconds. Okay. Off you go! Goodbye. Goodbye! I can't come back. I don't know how it works. Goodbye, folks! <laughs> <laughs> no, we will be starting a new series, but it's a secret. Yes, yes, it's a secret. Even from... Um, from us. But we will definitely... No, no, it's a surprise. We will That's definitely be back next week. And next week doing something. Yep, doing a, th- <laughs> doing a thing. With with stuff. Oh, yes, many stuffs. Oh, that's right. We do know what it is. No, we don't. Yeah, well, no, we don't. No. We know what we're doing, but we don't know what we're broadcasting. <laughs> now you're just making it worse. <laughs> uh, how could I possibly make it worse? Regardless. But uh, to keep up with us, please, uh, you can check us out on Twitter. We're Plort Max Mike Movies. Plort being the Plort. accepted way of, of the at sign. Uh, we have, our, of course, our website, maxmikemovies.com. Uh, Max Mike Movies, uh, you can like us or follow us on Facebook. Plort. And uh, on, our, on your favorite podcasting app, either uh, Google Podcasts or through uh, <clears throat> any of the, uh, the iOS single podcast app. Plort. <laughs> hey, we don't have email yet, do we? Uh, do yes, we? we do. You can also email Plort. us at us, literally U.S., at MaxMikeMovies.com. Plort. Plort, yes. Yeah, sorry. Us, plort, MaxMikeMovies.com. <laughs> You're not saying it right. Okay. So we, uh, we're, we're done. We're pretty much finished. I uh, hope we, you like we... this series. And if you didn't, then be gone. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. <laughs>